Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome back to another episode of Steelers Stat Geek. This is the Steel Curtain Network's Dave Schofield coming at you Thursday morning, June 15th. We are halfway through June. It seems like I just said, oh, it's the first day of June. Well, that's what happens two weeks later. You're halfway through. Today is a significant day. It is. Today is a significant day for two reasons. Reason number one, it is the Steelers' final day of mandatory minicamp. Then it is shut down. The Steelers are off, away. You won't see anything. Well, not that you won't see anything. You won't. There won't be anything organized and official for six weeks until training camp. Up until training camp, that's what it'll take. And the reason I say you won't see anything, there could still be news. There could be some roster moves. They could have somebody, you know, they could sign someone, release someone. There could be a contract uh, extension, something like that during that time. So it's not that there'll be absolutely nothing, but it's no team activities that we've been having for the last several weeks. Although, you know, it's reports, not not big news coming out, not, you know, exactly what's happening. You get to training camp, you know what's going on with seven shots because they're allowed to report on it. You get to training camp, you're talking about some of the individual drills and things that's going on. It's going to be good stuff. So that's the other reason that this date is significant is because it is exactly six weeks from the Steelers' first practice of training camp. That's right. Their first practice is um, going off my memory. I'm pretty sure it's July 27th because the Steelers report on July 26th. I have to remember that one because it's my wife's birthday. (laughs) So uh, I better not forget that date. So that's what's going on with the Steelers. Today's the day. Today's it. We'll we'll see what's happening. We'll you know hopefully hear from Coach Tomlin again after after the end of of the last minicamp practice, and that's what it is. Then when you come back, when the Steelers come back for training camp, it is on through January. How far into January and into February depends on how the season goes. But when they come back, it's training camp, training camp, training camp, preseason, training camp, preseason, preseason. There's two weeks between the last preseason game and the regular season game, but there is practices, things going on, and everything rolling through. Yeah, there's a bye week in there, but there's still stuff that happens during the bye week. This is it. This is the six-week period where it's nothing. This is the calm before the storm. Then you'll have Steelers football going on, you know, leading up. Yes, there's only 17 games. Man, I can't believe there's so much hype that goes into, well, 20 games if you count the three preseason, plus then postseason on top of that. I can't wait for that time to get here, but I don't want to wish away my summer. So let's also take some time to enjoy those six weeks. But yep, it, it is what it is. Let's answer some stats questions. I've got two questions I'm going to tackle today. And I need some more. I'm ready for more questions. Uh, I'll, I'll put something out again on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. It's at STLRSuperFanDad. Or you can hit me up an email, which is STLRSuperFanDad at gmail.com. That's what you can do to get a hold of me, to ask me a stats question if there's something you're curious about. I still have a couple other questions that are floating out there, but they're not things that are really – 
really answerable. I'll, I'll get to them eventually, uh, where I'll at least mention them and and acknowledge the ones that that I've that I've received. But let's go ahead and dive in here because I don't I don't want to I don't want to have to keep you past the bell <laughs> as I keep giving my um my, my school analogies with it. But uh, this one comes via email. This comes from Eric. I'm going to mess up the last name. I'll try it anyway. Eric Auth. I'm going to say it's just A U T H. Maybe it's off. I'm not sure. Like authority. I I don't know. Sorry, Eric. I messed that up for you. But here was the question. Um, and and this came, this wasn't in the last couple of days. So this, uh, I got this probably a bit more than a week ago. So when he's referring to something else in there that, that could be dated, he said, on Jess' most recent Let's Ride podcast, yeah, he's had a bunch since the one he's referring to here. He says he talks about the trade potential of certain positions, including outside linebacker, specifically related to, uh, related to Quincy Roche. I'm getting the sense that most people assume he will be a cut for the 53-man roster. Who knows? That's what training camp is for. That's me throwing in my own stuff. Now let's get back to the, to the email. He says, however, for some reason, I have it in my head that the Steelers usually keep nine linebackers between outside and inside. Of course, looking at the past four years, it seems like they kept eight, two of those years, and ten, the other two. Um, and then said, if you include Marcus Allen as a linebacker, and I'm like, yeah, you gotta, you got to include him as a linebacker because the Steelers officially transferred him into that position. Says the Steelers' top four outside linebackers and top three inside linebackers certainly seem like locks to make the roster, and I'm assuming they want at least another ILB for depth. Perhaps we'll have to look and see. Says, uh, I'm wondering um, – see, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about locks, but there there's multiple players that could that could be in play here. This is – once again, I'm interjecting in, into the into the question. Says, I'm assuming that they'll want at least another – I read that already for depth. I'm wondering if you could look back a little further and see how reasonable, unreasonable it would be for the Steelers to keep a fifth outside linebacker or how often they keep eight versus nine versus ten total linebackers. Um, again, thanks and love the shows. Eric. All right, so – this takes a while. This actually was quite a time-consuming task because it's not necessarily all that easy to compile data that you're pulling from independent sources. Because What I decided to look at is how many players the Steelers had at linebacker on their 53-man roster the day they had their 53-man roster. Now, could it be that there was a... a an instance where a player was on for a day and then went on IR. Yes. I actually found one that I'm going to bring up because something in my brain triggered that some, that there was a number missing somewhere. And I'll, and I'll mention that, but I could not verify that for every single one of these that I did. And if you all know, as you go back looking at stuff online, using the, the good old interweb that uh, sometimes the further back you go, the harder it is to find the data. And that was the case for me. I found all the way back through 2010, and I had 2009, but it was kind of sketchy, and I didn't get 2008. I was hoping to get all of Mike Tomlin. I wasn't able to do that. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to stop at 2010 to start the 2010 season. So what what I did was I looked at that initial 53-man roster and how many linebackers the Steelers had, and I did my best to break them down as inside or outside linebackers. Some of these guys made the initial 53, didn't stick long, weren't 
around and all I could find in so many places I looked was just linebacker, linebacker. I had to look up each individual person I didn't really know much about to see where the inside or outside. And I did my best to get them right. I hope they're correct. But like I said, I'm also pulling these from, from a bunch of different sources. Sometimes it was from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Yes, that website still exists, and it definitely did back then with some of these. Uh, some of it was Steelers.com. Some of it was just from other sources where it just had the Steelers' 53-man roster to start the season. So I'm going to break it down, and, and, and then we can look at it a little bit. And then I'm going to take it just a little bit further. Okay, so let's get through these numbers quickly. In 2022, already mentioned by Eric, they kept eight. Four and four is what they kept. 2021, the Steelers kept 10 linebackers. They had six inside and four outside. In 2020, they were back down to eight. It was four and four again. 2019, it was 10, where it was five and five was the split. So that those are the last four years. It goes uh, eight, 10, eight, 10. Very pretty interesting. Uh, 2018, they kept nine. They kept five inside and four outside, but... I do have to say this. One of those outside linebackers was only on the roster for a day to go on IR. And that was Ola Denier. He did return later in the season for one game. So the Steelers, and they did not replace him with another outside linebacker. They did. It was a safety. I'm pretty sure it was where they, where they traded for sign Nate Burhey. Bur- Bur- um, the Steelers rolled with three. Three outside linebackers. That was TJ, Bud, and Anthony Ciccolo. And shockingly, it worked. They got by with that. Um, that, that was interesting. Um, so there was nine that year. 2017 was also nine, but it was four inside, five outside. The opposite of what 2018 was. In 2016, it was 10. Again, it was five and five. And 2015 was the same thing, five and five with 10 linebackers. 2014... It was eight linebackers with four and four. 2013, same thing, eight linebackers, four and four. 2012, it was nine where it was four inside, five outside. 2011, it was nine with four inside, five outside. And 2010, it was nine with what I was able to figure out, five inside, four outside. So that's what the Steelers have pretty much done. They have stuck to four or five outside linebackers every year, except for the one year they started with four and they went back to three and then four five or, or even one time six inside linebackers. That's what they've done. So the, the number that Eric threw out there of nine, that's generally what I look at when I go to do my 53 man roster prediction, which Jeff and I should have another one coming out, you know, maybe maybe next week, I think, because it's after minicamp. Um, sometime around there, we'll, we'll make sure we have that out at BehindTheSoulCurtain.com. Yes, that website still exists. So if you look at it, all over those 13 years that we have, 2010 through 2022, the Steelers kept eight linebackers four times, 10 linebackers four times, and nine linebackers five times. So obviously here, if you were going to average it, it comes out as an average of 9.00000. Nine. Nine is the average. Nine is what I use. The only question is, which one gets the fifth spot? To me, that all comes down to who's going to give you more special teams, or sometimes it's the position that you're not as sure about that gets the extra one. This year, would not be shocked at all if the Steelers only kept four outside linebackers. 
They seem to have, if it seems like their three are working out pretty well, then, then right now that people have in mind of TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Marcus Golden, then you throw in, um, got to get the right name, Nick Herbig. Yeah, I think I got the right first name. You throw that, throw him in in a mix. I don't know that they're going to keep a fifth one. So this one could see a fifth inside. But if they don't have a fifth inside and they really have someone else that they think would be good on special teams, that, there you go. Or they could, if they're special teams, um, people come somewhere else. Maybe they want to keep an extra player in the secondary that they think would be a good special teamers or something. They could get by with eight. That's really what that last spot comes down to. But I did something else in here, and I pulled this information from one site for all of it. It was a football database. And what I did is I went through and said, all right, well, every year, how many, how many linebackers actually played the game? How many actually appeared in at least one game? based on on everything else because you know so, sometimes it's more I, i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna start at 2010 and, and and bring it back um and i'll remind you how many made it to start the to, to to start the year on the initial 53 and then i'll tell you how many played so 2010 the reason i'm starting there is because it had the that, that that was the fewest linebackers that appeared in a game for the pittsburgh steelers in a season um, in the last 13 years and it was eight even though there was nine that made the roster initially only eight appeared in games. In 2011, nine made the roster initially, and nine appeared in games. Now, the thing that that that, that swi- they switched because it was four inside, five outside that made the team initially, but it was five inside and four outside that actually appeared in games. So it actually switched some things around. Um, the the next year, 2012, when the Steelers had nine, uh, they actually had ten appear in games. So they had another one they added throughout the season. You'll see that's a common theme. 2013, the Steelers had eight linebackers to start. They played 10 at one point during the season. 2014, eight started out, nine played during the season. 2015, 10 started, 10 played during the season. And they were both five and five for both of those. Uh, 2016, this is what you're going to start seeing more recently, that the numbers are actually increasing. And I don't know that that's a good thing. 2016, they, they kept 10. They played 11. They actually played an extra inside linebacker more than what kept the uh, what started. And I'm not saying these are even the same players. I'm just saying by the numbers. Uh, 2017, the Steelers had nine uh, inside linebackers start the season. They played 11 different players. That makes sense when you think about it because you had the terrible injury to Ryan Chazier, and then the same game, Tyler Matakavich gets hurt. The Steelers had to bring in other people. That's why they they had more. Uh, in 2018, it was uh, nine made the team to start and nine played throughout the year. And I'm pretty sure that might have been the same nine when I looked at that one. 2019, they started with 10 and they actually played 11 different ones. 2020, this one was interesting. Seriously, this is this is quite interesting. 2020, the Steelers started on the initial 53-man roster with eight linebackers, but they played 13 throughout the season. But also remember, 2020, that was the pandemic year. That was when they started doing the practice squad elevations and things like that. That's why you're going to see these numbers go up uh, for these last three years, because you could have a guy on the practice squad that you could elevate and use occasionally whenever you needed to. So 2020, they saw 13 linebackers appear in a game. 2021, they started the, the year with 10 linebackers. 12 of them appeared in it. 12 linebackers appeared in a game. Um and it was one additional one to each group, in case that mattered. Oh, the one that went from eight to 13, 
Uh, they had three more inside linebackers and two more outside linebackers appear than what initially made their roster. That was interesting. And then last year, 2022, they started off with eight linebackers. They had 11 linebackers uh, play in at least one game throughout the season. So I just thought that was some interesting data to throw out there to, to show that especially now, when it comes to the practice squad and the elevations, it's a whole different ball game than what it was four years ago even. I mean, I think back to that 2018 season, I'm like, wow, how'd they get by with three outside linebackers for the biggest part of the season? Now, if you have a couple outside linebackers that you like on your practice squad and you want to you know, elevate each one of them three times, boom, there you go. That's what you got. So it kind of plays into the strategy of, of the roster a little bit different now than, than what it did before. So sometimes, now, does it always work? No. But sometimes what teams may want to do is see, okay, who can we get on the practice squad? That doesn't always work, though. Doesn't always work. We've seen it happen before. That's why Quincy Roche wasn't with the Steelers the last two years. He got claimed. Uh, Same thing happened when the Steelers kept Tuzar Skipper. Then they cut him before the first game to get him. And, you know, we assume they wanted to put him on the practice squad. And, nope, he got claimed. So that's the other thing that that really comes comes down to it is – is someone else going to pick up this player or are you going to be able to uh, extend your 53-man roster through the practice squad um, in that way? And what's nice for players now is going to the practice squad is now no longer just for, hey, these are these are developmental guys. It's never really been on the 53 that, that can see if they develop into something. You've got some of that. You have to the way it's broken down. But you can have as many as six veteran players on the practice squad. So you can have players that'll stay there. And when they come up, they get a full game check. So that's, it's just such a different dynamic ever since 2020. And and they've been doing that. So it it makes it a little bit more difficult to figure out some of these things. But uh, I I think when it comes to the inside and outside linebackers, those things are really going to play out throughout the preseason. And we'll see a player like Quincy Roche, you know, if he plays too well, um, the, you know, when I say too well, I don't know, <laughs> shouldn't say too well. I don't know if he's someone the Steelers want to have on the practice squad or not. But if that's something they have in mind and he plays too well, they're not, they might not be able to put him there. But if he plays that well, they might want to keep him on the 53. And a lot of this has to do with special teams. So I hope that answered your question, Eric. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of betting. We're going to talk a little bit of of the of the odds for for the AFC North and, and things like that. So stick around with me. When my phone rang, she found us someone new. It's no surprise how life could be stunned and gone. Take what I get my hands on. All right, Steelers fans, we are back and better than ever. I don't know if we're better than ever or not. But uh, thanks for for sticking with me through that break. Got another question when it comes to this is is completely different than the last one. Sometimes it's just nice to get different information. 
and uh, did my best on this one to, to find some stuff as well. You'll, you'll see what's going on when, uh, as we dive into it a little bit. But this comes from Tyler W. He's a regular in our, in our live chat on a, a lot of our YouTube shows. Actually have met up with Tyler at a game before. Uh, when Big Bro, Sco, and I were at, at a game, Tyler came. He, he, if you go back, you can probably still find it if you want to look it up on YouTube. Tyler was there for, for one of our – I can't remember if it was the pregame or postgame um, whenever we went live from the stadium. But this is what Tyler W. had to say. He says, I did for Stat Geek Podcast. The Steelers are massive underdogs to win the division. He gave a line, but I, I'm going to look at my, my own line for this. Says, and he, he quoted his source here. He was using oddschecker.com. Says, in fact, they're fourth place. Has this ever happened before? What's our record when such underdogs um, before? Well, the problem when you look at odds, guess what? Odds sites don't want to keep old odds. They don't want to have things out there that, that shows where the odds were good or bad or whatever. They want to have current odds that you can put action on now. So this is not the easiest topic to research, but I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, he quoted as the Steelers being plus 1,200 um, from this odds checker. Right now, according to DraftKings, the Steelers are at plus 450 to win the AFC North. They're at plus 450. The Browns are at plus 425. The Ravens are plus 240, and the Bengals are plus 140. That's what they have for 2023, with the Steelers being in last place. Wanted to know if this has ever happened before. Well, yeah, because it happened last year. It happened last year. Now, what I did was I was doing a search for old odds. In order to find these old odds, what I basically had to do is find articles that wrote about what the odds were at the time. Because if you try to go to the odds themselves, they're not going to have the odds from there. It, it, it was actually quite a little... Um, working the system that I had to try to do. So I found some odds for last year. They came in August. They were technically, these were the odds. August 11th is when these were reported. Uh, these are all from different sources. So I'm just going to say odds. I'm not going to say which ones they were. I just, these are the ones I could find. The Steelers were projected to finish last in the division. Well, not the, no, sorry. That's not that they're projecting to finish last in the division. It's they had the longest odds of finishing first in the division. So they were at plus 4,000, which that's way worse than what, what they even Tyler quoted as, as what was for them this year. They were at plus 4,000. Cleveland was at plus uh, 2,200. Cincinnati was at plus 217. And Baltimore was minus 240. That's right. Last year, going into the season, the Ravens were were the odds-on favorite to win the division. Now, the question is, how did the division finish? All right, well, Cincinnati came in first, okay. Baltimore came in second. The Steelers came in third. And the Browns came in fourth. Because one thing you got to remember about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers have, ever since the AFC North came into existence in 2002, the Steelers have never been last. They've never been last. They've never been last. Uh, I'm trying to look back. To, when's the last time they were last in their division of any kind? Uh, I'm looking back. There you go. How about 1988? 
They were fourth of four teams. That's how far you have to go back for the Steelers. They were 5-11 that year. That's how far you have to go back to find the Steelers coming in last place in their division. Uh, before that, you have to go all the way back to 1969, which allowed where they were 1-13, now, even though they drafted Joe Green, and that's what allowed them to pick first overall. So twice since the in the Super Bowl era, once since the merger, because if you throw out 69, that um, that the Steelers came in last in their division. So they're, they, have the, they have the longest odds. Last year, they came in third, just missed the playoffs. Let's keep going back a few years. I was able to go all the way back to 2018. So let's keep, let, let's keep digging back. Let's look at 2021. Let's see what the odds were there. All right, these odds were actually, the only ones I could find were, in, were actually at the end of May. I wanted to make sure they were at least after the draft. Um, and this is what they had. The longest odds by far was the Bengals because they had finished last in the division so many years in a row. Uh, they, their odds were 2,300. Then it was the Steelers at 440. Then it was Cleveland at one plus 145. And then it was Baltimore plus 115. So no one was really an odds on favorite, you know, like right now, Baltimore having that minus in there. Um, that that really shows that they were a big favorite. Not a huge favorite for any of those. But what's interesting is Baltimore was first, then Cleveland, then Pittsburgh, then Cincinnati. The actual finishing standings for those were the exact opposite order. It went Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, when the odds were Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Just kind of shows you how it goes. Then you go back to 2020. I could not find exactly what date this came from because the article had been updated. To, you know, it, it talked about before the season in the article, but there was an update to the article, which then made it not even, which made it like in December. And I'm like, oh, don't. So, so the odds weren't updated, just the timestamp was updated. So I couldn't tell you exactly when it was from. But it was that in 2020, uh, the Ravens were, had the, they were, uh, well, I started the wrong end. I usually start with, with fourth place. Was the Bengals plus 2,000, then Cleveland plus 500, then Pittsburgh plus 350, then Baltimore minus 200. Who won the division that year? That would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were first, Baltimore was second, then Cleveland, then Cincinnati. So they flipped the top two teams. Let's look back at 2019. These were from August of 2019. They had Cleveland as the odds-on favorite. Sorry, i got to start the other end. The other end, Cincinnati. <laughs> Up until last year, the, the, the longest odds was, odds was always Cincinnati because it had been so long since they had really done anything. So Cincinnati was, was 1,600. Then it was Baltimore at 350. Then it was Pittsburgh at 160. And then it was Cleveland at 125. So how did they finish? Baltimore finished first. Pittsburgh finished second, Cleveland finished third, and Cincinnati finished fourth where they were. So that was why. So when Cincinnati won the division in 2021, they'd come in last in the division at least three years before that. I didn't even go back further than that. So once again, didn't get it right. The first place team was actually third in their, in their odds. And then go to 2018. 2018, once again, had, I say Cincinnati, was at the bottom, but them and Cleveland were actually tied. They both were at plus 1,000, and then Baltimore was at plus 425, and then the Steelers were at minus 300. Now, the reason for that was because the Steelers had just finished 13-3 and three the season before, 
um, in 2017. So that's why the Steelers were such um, had such you know if you're wanting to bet they wasn't good they they were had such short odds I guess is the way you're supposed to say it uh, to to win the the division. They did not win the division. The Ravens won the division. Steelers were second. Browns were third. Bengals were fourth. So when looking at these, how many times is the team that is favored to win the division won the division? I went back the last five years, and the answer is zero. Zero, okay? Think about it. 2018, Pittsburgh favored the most, came in second. 2019, Cleveland favored, they came in third. 2020, Baltimore favored, came in second. 2021, Baltimore favored, they came in last. And in 2022, Baltimore favored, they came in second. So chances are the team that's favored to win the North probably isn't going to win the North. So, But right now that's the Bengals. I'm surprised that it wasn't the Bengals last year. But it wasn't. You know, they're coming off the Super Bowl. But the what I was able to find is that they were not at the time I was looking, um, which also you had to look at, when I said that was August 11th, you have to remember what was going on with Cincinnati at that time. The, Joe Burrow had had, he had the appendicitis and the appendectomy at the end of July. There was a lot of questions there. They probably were not in second the whole time. They might have been first. But at the time I was actually able to find it, that was the answer. So did I go back and tell you exactly how the Sealers did every time they were they were last? No. To go back beyond 2018 – too hard to find the information, as I said, because of, of odds. That's just the best I could do. But, yeah, last year Pittsburgh had much worse odds of winning the division. And who could blame them? You know, Ben Roethlisberger had retired. Everything was, you know, it was supposed to be a big rebuild year. I mean, my goodness, the Steelers had a winning record, almost made the playoffs. That I don't know if they've ever had worse odds at, to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that was – that's worse than what the Bengals were getting in those other years I did. That that plus 4,000. But remember, that was also in, in August. That probably changed a lot in there. But sometimes you just got to go with the data that you can find. So hopefully, Tyler, that answered your question. Like I said, I want questions. Give me questions. I'm ready for questions. That's what I need from, from you all. We've got six weeks until training camp, and I want to talk about what you all want to hear. I could I could try to cover some cool stats. I, I'm still um, I should have said this in the podcast last week, but I thought of it afterwards. I actually took the second I say I can't say half because if if you listened to last week's show, uh, the the break came towards the end, and I just talked about one other topic at, at the very end for a few minutes. But I took that topic and and I, I had an article about it. And it was actually uh, the beginning of this week at uh, BehindTheSecret.com. Yes, that website still exists. And it was about the punting stats that I talked about last week of other stats other than the typical ones and how in those stats, Presley Harvin actually looks pretty good. And then I'm like, you, you got to take them all together. You've got to kind of look at all of them together. I said, I want my own stat. And I've even thought about it more since I put it in the comment of this, of the article. Is I said, I want, I want my own stat. I even tried to go back and try to, found a way to research and calculate it myself. Not easy to do because, man, Pro Football Reference, my go-to source, does not do a lot when they share the plays on punting. Uh, you have to go into each individual game and look up stuff, and that's just yikes. But I want to call what I um, – what I, I'll call it FFP. I want field-flipping punts. And the way I said it initially is it would be pretty neat to have a stat 
where anytime a team is punting at their own 30 yard line or deeper, if they get the, if the other team gets the ball at the 20 or inside the 20, I don't even care if it's a touchback. I mean, that's pretty impressive if it's a touchback when you're punting from your own 30 yard line. That flipped the field. If you take it from your 30 to their 20, you flip the field. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should even say, hey, if they're inside their own 20, as long as it gets to the other team's 30 or inside, that would be that would be field flipping pretty well. But um, I don't know. But that's a stat that, you know, I might have to try to keep track of that some this season and see, you know, are the Steelers having any field flipping punts? And then someone else brought up, well, you could also look on the negative side of that is um, anytime you you punt and the ball, the, the result, with return, still ends up in your own zone. Not good. I oh, I know we're we're at the end of the show here, but it still irks me. People are like, oh, punting, how important? It can be really important. It's all about coming through when you need it the most. Because it was the, it, what year was that? That would have been, it was the year before I had season tickets. So it was 2014. And it was the Steelers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I was there. And they made the stop that people thought would win the game. But the Buccaneers had two timeouts, and the Steelers weren't able to run out the clock. And they're punting from deep in their own zone, and that's when they end up with like a 30-some yard punt by Brad Wing. And the the Buccaneers take over in Steelers territory, and they score a touchdown with less than 10 seconds to go. Man, I mean, that's when you need a big punt. But sometimes you don't get those big punts because – you know, the team's coming after it. And it's like, hey, I'd rather gain 30 yards than get it blocked. But at the same time, I'd take the 40 yards. So I don't know why I got back on the punting subject. But I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. Make sure you're checking out all our podcasts. Uh, you, If you want to, uh, tonight, you can check us out on YouTube Live with myself, Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis for the Steelers preview. That will be coming up tonight. But uh, we've got our regular schedule, and we're churning through. Just because the Steelers aren't going to be around for six weeks doesn't mean that we won't. We will continue to bring you the same great coverage that we try to bring to you each and every day, each and every week. So thanks for joining me. And as I always say to finish these out, thanks for geeking out. <laughs>